the Basketball You on Chicago's Home for Sports. Get the Basketball You podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. Trips to the Sweet 16 on the line today. Saw a couple tickets punched yesterday. Tyler Aki, Brian Hanley with you on Basketball U. We're with you every single Sunday of the NCAA tournament. Hey, at 11.35, we're going to have Rob Douster from the Field of 68 on. He's going to break down everything that he saw from yesterday's action, what's happening with St. Peter's and the upset brigade that they are on, knocking down every single giant along the way. We'll talk with Rob Douster in about half an hour. So the biggest game at least the biggest scare that I saw yesterday was Memphis giving it to Gonzaga. They were up big at the half, and then Gonzaga sort of flipped a switch, and it was powered by Drew Timmy in that second half. And Drew Timmy's a guy who I think, if he played for Duke, (laughs) would probably be the most hated player in the country. And even playing with Gonzaga, I'm sure there are a number of people that would put him up there as the player they despise the most. It would be because of the mustache, the stroking of the mustache, no matter the the scoreboard, (laughs) what the scoreboard reads. But he is... He did point to the scoreboard at halftime for his team and tell him, hey, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's stroking the mustache when he was screaming at him. And... He's one of those guys who, for a long time, I thought, ah, oh, he, he's sort of a front runner. Like when the going's good, like I'm, I'm all in, I'm all engaged. And then when the the going gets tough, I'm just here to get mine at times. But he's the, a he's a score sheet guy. Looks yeah, good. yeah. I think oh, yeah well. at times he can be one of those players. But yesterday, this was in the post game um, on, I believe, it was on CBS last night. Drew Timmy talking about the message that he delivered to his team at halftime. I said, I don't give a flying F what happens What happens at the end of the game. Whether we lose or win, we're not going out as no uh, soft guys. Leave it all on the floor because it could be your last 20. And, hey, man, if you go all out and we still lose, play with, play with no regrets. And uh, we took that to heart. And, uh, you know, we came out with the win, fortunately. But give credit to Memphis, man. They, they really brought it. And the way they turned their season around is pretty remarkable. That's a guy who's got a future in radio. To or TV because of the self censorship that yeah. he, he put yeah, in that post game interview there. Himself. No. Hey, twenty one of uh, twenty five points that he ended up in the game second half and ten of 16, 14 rebounds. So it wasn't you know me time. He 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 backed up the words. He challenged the team at halftime. They went out there and and you know put him on the back and said let's go. And this is a game too where they needed every last drop of interior presence. Chet Holmgren gets in foul trouble. That's going to happen to you. When you go up a guy that plays as physical as Jalen Duran did on the other side, and, and even a guy like DeAndre Williams, those are two physical guys on the interior. And this is a Gonzaga team who's lost three game, or four games this year, rather. All four of those games, they have trailed at the half. That's and it. this yeah. is a game where they trailed at the half. And not only did they trail, they were down 10. Yep. They got a big-time punch in the mouth. And... That can be one of the frustrating things with Gonzaga is sometimes they take a little bit of time to warm up. And hey, well, even when they got up 61-57, you think, okay, now there's going to be some separation. Next thing you know, it's 66-66. Yeah. And now you get down to a final one-possession game with 30 seconds, 32 seconds left. So it definitely was a scare. And, and our Twitter poll question is, which of the uh, higher-seeded teams that survived a scare uh, – 
Gonzaga is certainly in that group with Illinois and Kansas. I know Danny Zetterman say, "What do you mean Kansas? They won. They, they were not, they, it was a one point game." At that was half-time. a good game yesterday. Yeah, it was. Um, but right now, right now, Illini Nation seventy eight percent thinks they're the most vulnerable of the high seeded teams that got through. You know, barely got through. And and you know, I'd like Illinois fans too to also say build a case for why you're confident because if was seventy eight percent is negative uh, on the Illini. Tell me why you think, okay, everything's going to be okay. We'll see you in New Orleans. Yeah, this is, uh, on the on the note of Gonzaga here, this is a team that when they went down 10 and the slow start that they sort of have, I thought to myself, ah, this is it. Yeah. Because the, they don't really come back in these sort of games because, quite frankly, over the course of the regular season, they don't have to do it a whole heck of a lot. And a lot of people point to, oh, the schedule that they play, this, that. They play in the WCC. They play against the Pepperdines of the world. Yeah, they do that, but they, their non-conference schedule is a power conference schedule. It, it is literally toe-to-toe with anything that some of these teams will face in their conference schedules. When you look at the teams they went out and challenged themselves against, Duke, yeah. uh, Texas, um, there's uh, Texas Tech was in there, I believe, too, Alabama. So they go out and challenge themselves for sure, but the thing that I... I, I didn't see it in this Gonzaga team was the ability to come back in a game like this. I thought... I thought this would be a tough matchup. I believe the the spread was 10 when it opened up in this game. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout for Gonzaga. But I also know that if they aren't clicking in the first couple of minutes, it can it can go south pretty quickly. And then what happens when this team starts to hang their heads a little bit? Well, after we t- uh, talked to Will, who's been patient and want to talk about Gonzaga, I want to ask about some coaching in that game, too. Because uh, I was scratching my head a little bit from a guy. Cut one penny. Yeah. Come on. Call timeout, will you? Let's yep. go. 312-332-3776. Is Gonzaga still the front runner in your eyes in this NCAA tournament? Let's head out to Virginia and check in with our guy, Will. What's going on, Will? Yeah, what's up, guys? Yeah, I feel like the tournament, I mean, it's always volatile and always random, of course, but I feel like this year it seems way more, maybe what may, way more wide open. So I was curious, like, after watching Gonzaga or a team like Gonzaga the first game and then yesterday, you know, they didn't win like necessarily comfortably. I know they kind of pulled away in the first game, but it didn't look that close the entire time. So, or, you know, it's a lot closer. So, like, do you feel like it's a wake up call that they'll ultimately benefit from or are they just look more vulnerable than you might have thought? It's a good thought. And I think it's something that you need out of a potential champion. You need some of these roadblocks and these hiccups early on. It's how you respond. It's exactly. It wakes you up at times. And I just think back, look at some of these recent champions that have gone out there and won. I look at a team like Villanova back in 2018. They, they weren't flawless by any stretch of the imagination. They had their hiccups along the way. They got some bailout games from a guy like Dante DiVincenzo. Along the way. And then he kind of treaded water for long enough so that Jalen Brunson and Mikael Bridges and the rest of the team could lift itself up. I look at Virginia back in 2019. Mm. That was a team that, I mean, they saw the light of day. They, they saw their life flash before their eyes a couple times during the course of that tournament run. That Auburn game, they looked dead to rights. That Purdue game, they looked dead to rights. But it's the adverse, even in that first game, like Gonzaga saw in, in their opening matchup against Georgia State, where it was close for the longest time, and then they finally separate down the stretch. Didn't wake them up, though. But Virginia had that same sort of adversity in that 2019. Everyone thought they were going to lose again to a 16 seed when they were facing Gardner-Webb and were down at the half. 
But then it sort of woke them up. Well, along it's the way. not a kick in the rear end to you. The the you know the real concern if you're a coach is well, hey coach, we led for 25 seconds, but guess what? We still got the W, and we're playing. You're moving on. Yeah. If if you if you don't take that sense of urgency or that wake up call, and you think you know what we we played our D game and we still got through, so you know don't worry about it. You really need the team to focus in, and you need to reinforce that in the you know the day uh, day between the games, right? Right. And I look at Gonzaga as they've got those guys that can tread water for them. Like, you look at someone like Andrew Nemhard, I think he's a really strong point guard, a guy who can facilitate, a guy who can steady the team. And even other guys, Rasir Bolton can have his moments. He had his moments in this game where he went off for 17 points. He yep. hit half of his threes. Those are the guys that you need. Don't be surprised if we get to the championship game and you see Rasir Bolton, a guy like that who's probably third or fourth in the pecking order of scoring for this team, go out and have an amazing game. And end up holding the most outstanding player. Right, kind of like what Dante DiVincenzo did with Villanova. I always look for guys on teams who can be what I like to call the DiVincenzo candidates. Guys that can (laughs) sort of tread water for you. In, in these moments. And, and I think that he's a guy that can certainly do that for this team. Now, DiVincenzo came off the bench. I don't think it really matters whether you're a, a starter, whether you're a bench player. As long as you get your minutes. Right, yeah. exactly. As long as, as long as you're getting your minutes along the way. Who's but, finishing the game, right? And more important exactly. than who's starting the game. Absolutely. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We want to hear from you. What do you think about Gonzaga? Are they still the title favorite in your eyes? What do you think about what's happening in the Big Ten? Who's having a little bit of a revolution and getting some payback from last season? We'll talk about Michigan in just a little bit. And don't forget Rob Douster from the Field of 68 will join us at 11.35 as well. Let's check in with Dean in downtown. What's going on, Dean? Hey, good morning, Brian and the Chosen One. Uh, this is a wonderful show. Uh, I could not believe, I told, I was just telling Jake, I couldn't believe my ears and my eyes watching the end of that game. Uh, the announcer was begging him to, to... Penny Hardaway should be arrested for impersonating a college basketball coach. And <laughs> and Jawan Howard, too, for that matter. Um, wow, well, Jawan's got his team regrouped. Yeah, everyone thought there were going to be a quick exit because of how the season ended and the suspension in Wisconsin and you know the, the handshake line. And Michigan looks like they belong right now. Yeah. They look decent. Um, I didn't think Gonzaga could find another big, goofy moron worse than Drew Timmy until I saw this Chet Holmgren. What a disgrace. And that kid's going to be in foul trouble this entire tournament, and he can't even make a free throw. Like, I, I don't know. I know Tyler watches more than we do, Brian, and I hope he's, I hope he's, uh, I hope he's right, but I can't see uh, Gonzaga cutting down the net. Uh, that's all I got for you guys. Take that. Well, thank you for your call, Dean. As Chris Black, who who does a ton of stuff with the NBA and the draft stuff here on ESPN 1000, he likes to call Chet Holmgren a mantis. Like, that's his draft comp. He's just a mantis. He's very limmy. He's, he's, he can be bullied down in the post. And I just think, too, with, with a guy like Chet, we're quick to forget that the game before this, what do you have, 19, 17, and seven blocks? I mean, he... he damn near had a triple-double right. with blocks. And, and that's the thing about this tournament is it's so fickle and you forget what happened the game before because... It's recency bias. Right. You rarely see guys go out there on championship runs and have five, six straight great games. There are hiccups along those roads. Chet may have just had the hiccup here, all right? Drew Timmy, he may have just had the hiccup early on. 
it's putting together the body of work and making sure you have one of those guys every single game that can deliver for you in these big moments. And I think Gonzaga has that right now. Well, they better have that because they looked pretty vulnerable yesterday, right? And and it took some uh, heroic uh, her, uh, efforts by Timmy and Nemhar to, to get them out of that thing. So, again, does that mean they wake up or, or, you know, that speech works once in the tournament, yeah. right? The Drew Timmy halftime speech, you, you can't go back for the uh, the epilogue on that or, or act two on that speech. Right. Either they got the message or they didn't. Right. 312-332-3776. We want to hear what you think about Michigan, who is one of those double-digit seeds getting to the Sweet 16 now. Michigan, to me, has been one of the biggest surprises of the tournament. I want to hear what you guys think as well. 312-332-3776. We'll talk about the Wolverines and more coming up next. Welcome back to Basketball U on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. Basketball U with you every single Sunday of the NCAA tournament. Tyler Rocky, Brian Hanley, 10 to noon every Sunday throughout March Madness. We will get to Rob Douster. He will join the program at 1135 from the Field of 68, host of the Douster, Tio, and Fanta podcast. But interesting situation here that we see developing as Illinois currently with a one-point lead over Houston. But I, this I is caught from... the under that game, even though we can't bet it here in Illinois. Uh, on this pace, it, it'll be well under 133.5. <laughs> so Steve Greenberg uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times, perhaps the best writer, sports writer in the, in the city, tweeted, uh, again, Curbelo, you know, the man people love to hate. This is uh, And hate to love. Yeah, this is uh, Steve Greenberg's tweet. Illini coaches are holding Corbello back from the refs before the game even starts. Corbello entered the court late after introductions, got into something heated, very odd. That's the Andre Corbello experience right there. Uh, yeah. And you wonder, I, I don't think I've seen him on the floor yet today. Uh, he is there out is. there now, yeah, but... Uh, you can't miss the hair. I mean, this is one of those headaches you cannot have. And, and we talk about culture in, in this sport and how important it is. Andre Curbelo cannot be making some sort of scene moments before tip-off. I mean, even if he didn't get in something heated, very odd. Like if you, you, you should be out there on time. If you are going to make mistakes, make aggressive mistakes. This is just a dumb one. I mean, I don't. Were you trying to make a statement that you know I, I'm here now? The game can start. I, I don't know what it is. But, I mean, you're out there shooting around and everything else. If you, you know, have to use the restroom, use the restroom. But, I mean, be out there on time, and I don't know what, why he was being held back from the referees. But if they don't win this game, there will be a lot more questions to be answered because of this little situation. Yeah, and, and again, this is a Houston team that is uber-disciplined. The one on the other side wearing orange has had a lot of discipline problems throughout this season and, and throughout the past couple seasons, quite frankly. 312-332-3776. How are you feeling about your teams as we hit the final day of the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament? Let's go out to John in Bartlett. What's going on, John? Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Um, so wanted to touch base in regards to Michigan. Um, I think they're one of the most dangerous teams that's currently left. Uh, they're basically playing on house money right now. They got nothing to lose. They, a lot of people thought they shouldn't even have made the tournament. And after these two, you know, recent wins, they look like they're pretty, you know, they're... I think we lost you. A there. lot of those, yeah. Sorry, I was say, oh. a lot of those players, 
of experience from last year too. So I mean, they know how to kind of navigate these situations. So I think Michigan is a team to to look out for. Yeah, Thanks, and, yeah, and we thank you for the call, John three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to hop in as well, Michigan looked dead to rights. To, to open up the tournament. They were the first game of the entire thing, and they were down, I believe it was as much as 14 points yeah. against Colorado State in that first game. And then all of a sudden, you started to see a novel concept for Michigan basketball, which sort of evaded them the entire season. That is good. Get the ball to Hunter Dickinson. There you go. Let him go to work down low, and he's put together back-to-back really, really strong performances. I mean, you're talking about most outstanding player of the the tournament-level performances that you're getting out of Hunter Dickinson. He had 21 points in the game against Colorado State, and then yesterday he, he damn near won the whole thing for them with 27-11 and 11 against Tennessee, a, a team that I thought was going to be a real, real challenge and I thought could blow the doors off of Michigan, but... They went out there, and they are, they are sticking it to a lot of the haters right now and they that look, wanted them out of the tournament. Well, first of all, I mean, look, Colorado State, first X on my not, – not, not a yeah. good start to the tournament when you're, you're the first game and you're putting an X on, on – but I really thought they were kind of in disarray in the whole Juwan Howard thing. And, and, and then you get a guy like Eli Brooks who's out there quietly putting up 23 yeah. points a game. And now they look like they belong. And – I didn't realize this was the fifth consecutive Sweet 16 appearance for Michigan. I saw that, too, and I was like, I was trying to do the math in my head. I was I like, mean, like, they were there then? They were there then? Really? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, they, they feel like they belong. They're, this is nothing new to them. But it's, uh, it is interesting because they, known, of all the Big Ten teams, no one was paying attention. Indiana was getting a little more love coming into the tournament because of the way they, they handled some of the games in the Big Ten tournament, right? So... But there you go. Uh, the Juwan Howard has got his guys going, and, and they're still alive. And I think we, we can put to, to rest the narrative of handshake lines, too. Yeah. We, we can still have them, right? That, that's all right with everybody? He, he's gone from you know getting a $40,000 fine and a five-game suspension to being the, being the a handshake line hero. <laughs> yeah. How about this? Giving comfort and love to, to a kid on the other team. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Michigan has been one of the biggest surprises of the tournament. Do you think that they can continue? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. And there's a couple other little facets to this Michigan team. Like obviously they got a little bit healthier. They got Devontae Jones back in this game as well against Tennessee. He led the country in steals a season ago. I mean that that's a huge defensive piece Whoa. that. Against a team like Tennessee, you need defensive pieces because you're going up against one of the best defensive teams in the country in the Volunteers, and now you've got a chance to make a little bit more noise. And like you said, like they might feel as if they are playing with house money at this point, but let's not forget that this was a team that heading into the season a lot of people thought could win the whole thing, and now you're, start, you're starting to see them round into form a little bit, and it's at the most opportune time. Yeah, I mean, they might, they're they not the hottest team uh, to this point no. in the tournament. When you go look at, you know, even Murray State was gangbusters until yeah. they ran into St. Peter's, right? But if the, Michigan, with the talent they have, starts playing their best basketball from here on out, or like they have in the, in the first two games, well, now you got something going. Right. I, I just think with, with Michigan, I, I still think... I'm afraid that they're going to go away from their game plan. They're going to revert back to old habits because I, I'm i not sold on Juwan Howard as an X's and O's in-game coach. I, I do think he's got a good staff put together, spearheaded by Phil Martelli, who filled in for those games when he was suspended. But, I mean, 
some of these bounces that you need to go their way have gone their way. I mean, just Eli Brooks with the hook shot. Uh, I, that was straight out of the Xavier Simpson playbook that, that they ran with from the past couple of seasons. But to, to quote Patrick Ewing, have you ever shot that shot? Like, th- that's what that was to me. <laughs> but it went in. And sometimes you need some of those bounces to go your way. 312-332-3776. If you want to jump on in, what do you think of Michigan? Can they be the team that makes the surprising deep run out of the double-digit seed ranks and and get into the Elite Eight, get into the Final Four. Do you, do you think that this team can get to the Final Four right now? Because there's a couple of good teams that could be standing in their way. When you look at the, I believe it would be the Villanova and the um, Arizonas potentially, but I don't know. They're playing as good as they can right now. Like This is the national championship team that people thought they were going to get out of Michigan. And look, Villanova, uh, you know, they... they Go, beginning of the season, it looks like they should be where you know still alive yeah. here, but the they had their hiccups throughout the season where they yeah. lose a couple games. Marquette beat them both times, right? Which is all you need to know. What I would say is Marquette to me hasn't been relevant since I think Brian Hanley went there. That's correct. I can't argue that the great Mike North. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we need to go find another D Wade. No, they, they, you know the recruiting's good. This Texas team. You know, now that Shaka moved on yeah. to Marquette, and I think Shaka's lost three of his last four first-round games. Uh, boo, uh, I believe he's now lost seven straight tournament games. Yeah. See, <laughs> that's why I had a little money on Texas. <laughs> I just thought maybe it was the coaching. And, and to my question... And Chris Beard's never lost a first-round tournament game. Well, my question to you, Tyler Rocky, is how important is coaching at this point? We, we, we just kind of glanced on Penny Hardaway and our caller, you know, impersonating coach. No. You know, he, he leaves Duran out there to, to get his fourth foul. Yep. He had like three opportunities to call timeouts when his team absolutely needed something yeah. to regroup. Didn't do it. I, I covered him as a player at Memphis, and I, I don't remember. I wrote something about him. That's when they were in the great Midwest. And and his coach or his AD, somebody got in my face at the Chicago, old Chicago Stadium. <laughs> now, we're going back a ways and was, you know, giving me a, a lot of MFs and a lot of the, but he was a, kind of a mercurial player, too. Odd. Just yeah. to, with all the talent he had, I don't know what it was about him, but it just something was like the world was against him then, and it almost seems like he's still got that kind of chip on his shoulder now. But when a coach needs to decide whether to keep the star out there, even though a fourth foul may be waiting, and then all of a sudden he's going to be missing for 10 minutes, yeah. those are the type of coaching decisions at this point in the tournament that make or break a, a game, perhaps. Right? Jalen Duran played 19 minutes in that game yeah. against Gonzaga. He needs to, to be out there on the floor more, and I think you do that by, like you mentioned, some of those substitutions. Yep. You get him in at more opportune times. You're going to probably extend his, his life out there on the floor. And the timeout thing, too. I mean, channeling your inner Roy Williams at this stage, I mean, it's not going to... You cannot let your team hang out to dry. When 10,000 people are making the timeout right. sign... You know, when even, you're the underdog like they were in that yeah. game, cannot happen. This isn't a Jim Boylan timeout with 30 seconds left with the Bulls. Right. You know, trying to coach guard. Them Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. This, this is... Your team needed a little... Uh, they're, they're on fumes there. They need a little something. And this is why my guy Brad, Brad Underwood needs to show me a little something today because... You know, he, he's excused away, he's rationalized that the, the rest was going to be great for him, and here they are trailing Houston. And we said it before, I said it, you know, you want to play uh, from a deficit against this team, 
things aren't going to turn out like they did against Chattanooga. Yep, Michigan has now knocked off back-to-back top 25 caliber opponents. They are in the Sweet 16 for the fifth straight year. Let's go out to Doug in Glenview. What's up, Doug? Hey, you guys got me? Yes, sir. Hey, so, yeah, I want to go back to Michigan. I know their win against Tennessee kind of validated it, but against Colorado State, you guys were saying Colorado State was up early. They probably should have won that game until Michigan came back. Uh, I want to go broader picture with Colorado State and the Mountain West. They were 0-4 this tournament, and they were kind of talked about as being a four-bid lead. People were on them. Wyoming lost Indiana, Colorado State, Michigan, Boise State, Memphis, and then San Diego State and Creighton. Do you think Mountain West was a good conference this year? Do you think that was legit? Do you think that was not legit? Or, to be honest, do you not care at all? I look at the Mountain West, and Doug, I thank you for the call there. I believe they also went 0-3 in the tournament last year, too. So I believe they've lost their last seven tournament games. Meanwhile, the the MAC uh, has nearly won a a game in every single tournament the last three. But I look at the Mountain West as it it kind of feels wannabe WCC, but they... You think about it, they should be better than the WCC when you think about the fact that they have football. There should be resources pouring into this conference for the basketball side of things. I mean, look at how the SEC has sort of risen to the ranks of of equality among the the power conferences right now. I think the MWC should be there. There's good schools in that conference. And you look at some of the ways that those Mountain West teams lost to, like, San Diego State, allowing a, a, I believe it was a 9-0 run to close out that game against Creighton, and then they end up losing in overtime. Boise State gets punched in the mouth out of the gate. They put a little bit of a comeback in them against Memphis, but it's just not enough. And then Wyoming, they played a, a, a solid game, but just too many turnovers there. I, I look at the Mountain West, and I think to myself, th- this conference is probably one that should be better given the fact that they have the football resources. Yeah, I think Wyoming was the only team I didn't have of the aforementioned teams <laughs> moving on in my bracket. Yeah. So, uh, you know, shame on me. And, and San Diego State, I mean, the last five years for that program under Brian Dutcher have been nothing but heartbreak. Last two seasons, they've lost as a favorite in the first round. The year before that, the COVID year, they were supposed to be a one seed before the tournament got axed. And then they lost in the championship of the Mountain West in 20, what would that be, 2019 and then 2018. Steve Fisher on line one. <laughs> Coach? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. boy. Michigan might be calling, too. Yeah. Anyway, 312-332-3776. We will talk to Rob Douster from the Field of 68 coming up next. Get his thoughts on what he's seen from the tournament and what he's seen out of St. Peter's. The biggest upset story of the NCAA tournament so far. We'll talk about it with Rob Douster next. This is Basketball You. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Early struggles for the Illini as they are taking on Houston down seven right now. Tyler Aki and Brian Hanley here on Basketball U. Taking your calls as well, 312-332-3776. We now head out to the Lions to talk with the founder of the Field of 68 and the host of the Douster, Tio, and Fanta podcast. It is Rob Douster from the Field of 68. Rob, how are you doing this morning? 
I'm doing great, Tyler. What's going on, man? How's everything? Everything's good here. I know Illini Nation is on edge. Let's start there with Illinois. That game underway right now, but a, a weird scene to open up the game. It sounded like Andre Curbelo had to be held back by coaches from the refs in the early going before the game even started. But Andre Curbelo has been a super polarizing figure for Illinois fans. And I know some people were really high on him at the beginning of the season. Cough, cough, Jeff Goodman. Um, but what, what are your overall thoughts on Andre Curbelo? And is he the player that needs to perform at his best every single game if this team wants to make a deep run? Yeah, you know, I think so. Um, I, I, I think at this point, what he is, the, the best role that he can play for this team is kind of is that, that change of pace guy coming off the bench, right? Uh, I, I love Trent Frazier. I know he did not play well on uh, on Friday, but I just think that his his toughness, uh, his his ability on the offensive end of the floor, uh, the fact that he can actually shoot, which allows you to space the floor uh, around Kofi. I think he's he's the guy that you wanted to point him and Plummer. Um, it's very difficult to play all three of them together because uh, they're all about like six one, and that, that's probably generous. Um, but I think Corbella bring him in as a change of pace guy because you know you. He, he's one of these guys where there's going to be games where he has 20 points and seven assists, and he's just everything that he's throwing up is going in. Uh, there's also going to be games where he has six turnovers and, and looks like he doesn't, he has no idea how to play basketball. So, um, you know, he, he's an important guy because when he's at his best, it raises what uh, what Illinois season uh, ceiling is. But uh, I don't think that he's the guy, right? I think Trent Frazier needs to be the guy for this team this year. You know, Rob, uh, we have a Twitter poll out there. You know, which highest uh, of the higher seed teams is the most vulnerable? Because we saw Gonzaga dodge one yesterday. The Illini obviously did in their, their play today. It doesn't look like that was a wake-up call for them. And I, we also threw Kansas in there. But if you take 78%, even before tip-off today, say it was the Illini were most vulnerable. And so far, that's proving accurate. But of the Big Ten teams left, we're having a debate. Is Michigan legit at this point? Because one caller said they're playing with house money, but they sure, you know, we were both surprised this was their fifth consecutive Sweet 16 appearance, you know, for everyone who had written them off after the handshake uh, issue. Um, but Purdue now has a wide open lane to get to a championship game. Of the Big Ten teams left, uh, you know, Michigan and Purdue, I guess, Wisconsin, are you buying their stock? Um, I, you know, I think uh, Purdue, in terms of top seeds, is probably the one that I think is the most vulnerable just because of the, the issues that they have on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I don't know if Texas is built to be able to take them out because Texas does not have the size or the uh, the scoring big guys to be able to pull uh, Zach Eady or Chevron Williams away from the basket the way that you need to. I actually think that they got pretty lucky having Virginia Tech get knocked out in the first round. Virginia Tech, to me, is a team that really could have given them a lot of problems um, if they had played against each other uh, in, the, in, in the second round of the tournament. Um, Michigan, I, look, I don't know where this came from. Um, I, I think part of it is that they've kind of figured out how to use Hunter Dickinson and Musa Diabate together, which is the, the big thing, right? You want If you have two great big guys, you want to be able to have the two great big guys on the floor together at the same time. But the biggest thing has been Devontae Jones. Like His development from being a guy that was something of a disappointment at the start of the season into being uh, a, a guy that's been a great point guard for them has been huge, which is why... Look, the fact that they're able to win these games without having him in the NCAA tournament is something that's really, really impressive. And, you know, I love I love what Juwan's running, and I, I do think that he deserves all the credit in the world. He had 
they, they could have collapsed when he had the when he got suspended, right? They could have that could have torpedoed their season, and they rallied around each other. Um, and I think Jawan has, has found a way to kind of uh, display a little bit of humility. And like the biggest thing, I, there was a moment after the game with him and Kennedy Chandler, uh, where they were Kennedy was crying and Jawan yeah. was hugging him. And I mm-hmm. think you really see like that to me. That's who Jawan Howard really is. And look, you got to. You got to get the temper under control. Like we saw the thing with Mark Turgeon, we saw the thing with Greg Gar. Like, and, and I, I believe him when he said, "You guys remember that that press conference he had before the Big Ten tournament, where he was? He seemed like he was genu- genuinely apologetic yeah. and upset about the way that it affected his image." Um, you know, I, I think that he needs to kind of realize that there's more on the line here. But um, I, I, you know, I, I'm buying it. I think that he's going to grow from this, and I think that you know, all of us. He he may be old. He may have played 100 years in the NBA. But no one's perfect, and I think that he's going to grow from this. So, Talking with Rob Douster from the field of 68, you know, you brought up Purdue in there as well, and I've kind of thought all season long, Purdue's one of those teams, you're right, they have been a really poor defensive team, but it's not like Iowa, in my eyes, from a season ago where they didn't have the defensive pieces. I think this Purdue team has the defensive pieces when you look at a guy like Jaden Ivey on the perimeter, when you look at someone inside as a, a racer in Zach Eady, it feels a little different than maybe an Iowa who got bounced early last season. Do you sort of see it that way, too? I don't know. I'm kind of I'm in the middle because my biggest thing with them is they're not great defensively, and you can't get your five best players on the floor at the same time, right? They can't play Trevion Williams and Zach Eady together. And that makes it so that your best offensive team and your best defensive team are not the same five players. And to me, that's always going to be something that's a big red flag for any team. Uh, I think you could say the same thing about Iowa this year, right? Um, they were, they could put out lineups. They could force a whole bunch of turnovers. They would run that like one, uh, that one two two press. It gave teams all kinds of problems. But the issue is, the best when they would be playing their best lineups, you wouldn't have Jordan Mahaner on the floor, who's your your 19th year senior and the one of the greatest three point shooters in the history of the sport. So um, that's. That's my issue with Purdue, is that you can't put their best five on the floor at the same time. You can't have their best offensive lineup and best defensive lineup on the floor at the same time. And I, But look, I don't think it's going to cost them against Texas. I'm not a believer in Texas. You're going to need another terrific performance from Marcus Carr. I think he had, what, he had 16-9 and nine in the first round against Virginia Tech. You're going to need a game like that out of Marcus Carr. Um, make shots. You're going to need the big guys to play really well. Gonna have to avoid some foul trouble. I don't know if all that stuff is gonna end up happening together. So I think Purdue will get to the Sweet 16. And you know what? They get to the Sweet 16. You know who they got? St. Peter. St. Pete. Yeah. St. Peter. Yeah. St. Peter. Like the one thing about Purdue is, is there's a certain kind of team that you have to play against to be able to um, to to get an upset. And a team that doesn't have anybody over like six eight is not the team that wants to play Purdue. So yeah. uh, I, I think that. All that said, we can sit here and, and, and talk about how vulnerable they are. They're probably going to end up in the Elite Eight, and they're going to play a lower-seeded team when they get to the Elite Eight. So all that hand-wringing, all that, that nervous energy, everything that I've said all season long might sound really dumb when Purdue ends up in the Final Four, having played nobody higher than a six seed. Tyler Aki said that uh, Drew Timmy would be the most hated player in college basketball if he played for Duke. Uh, he rallied that team yesterday, so um, a two-part question. What do you make of Gonzaga at this point, and also what do you make of Duke? Because uh, a lot of people start to write them off about the time they were saying goodbye to Coach K on the home floor. Uh, I mean, I, my, my issue with Duke is I, I don't know how well they're handling the pressure of the moment. 
right? Like you, they've built this up so much. Like this is Coach K's last season. This is the last time he's playing Tom Mizzo. This is his last first round NCAA tournament game. This is the last time he plays here. Last time he plays there. And you, you put all of this weight on a bunch of kids that don't really have a point guard that that might lack a little bit of leadership in that locker room that are young. You got freshmen out there, so I. I I, I understand why Kay felt the need to have to make sure that the people that he was recruiting knew that this was going to be his last season and nobody felt like it was something that surprised them. But I think that now at this point, with how big of a storyline that has become, it's, 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 it's hurting them. Right? That's a lot of pressure to put on those kids. Um, as far as Gonzaga's concerned, like they're, I mean, they're awesome. They're really, really good. I thought Andrew Nemhard was sensational yesterday. And when Andrew Nemhard's going to play like that, Drew Timmy is going to go beast mode like he did in the second half. And you have that rim protector in, in Chet Holmgren. I mean, that's, that is a really, really tough team. And they, weren't, they didn't even hit shots yesterday. You know, Julian Strouther didn't play all that well. Rasir Bolton didn't play all that well. None of the guys off the bench played all that well. You know, they got, they got a monster second half from Drew Timmy. Um, they got an unbelievable, like, all-American point guard caliber performance out of Andy Nemhard. And, and that's, that's what makes them so dangerous. That was, Memphis was the worst matchup for them, I think, in this tournament, right? Memphis has been playing like a top five team over the course of the last six weeks. They beat Houston twice over the course of the last six weeks. They have the athleticism, the size, the body, the depth to be able to throw everything that you want at Memphis or at Gonzaga. They played their best game for 20 minutes last night, and it didn't matter. Gonzaga still got got the win. So uh, uh, you know they have a tough draw. There's they're going to play Arkansas in the Sweet 16, who I think is, is really 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 good. And they're probably going to end up getting Texas Tech to Duke. I mean, they, both of whom are really, really good. Both of whom have already played Gonzaga, so they're not going to be surprised. But that, I mean, anybody that thinks that anything about that team and that program is a fluke is, is out of their mind. We have to have a, we have to have a conversation <laughs> and maybe get them institutionalized. Yeah, it's a matter of when, not if, with Gonzaga, and that's just something that the college basketball world has to accept at this point. Rob Douster from the Field of 68. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, guys. Great stuff, Rob. Thanks. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Douster and check out his work with the Field of 68, the Douster, T.O., and Fanta podcast. All right. We've got a full slate of games still ahead of us. We've got Illinois and Houston already underway, but there are so many more. We're going to break down what we're looking forward to most coming up next. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. You're listening to Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. It's basketball you talking college hoops. Talking college hoops with you on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Basketball you with you here on ESPN 1000. We're with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be fun next week because there is going to be a regional in Chicago So you may be on your way to the games that are taking place at the United Center. We'd love to hear from you. We're with you every single week here on ESPN 1000 throughout the NCAA tournament. And also, don't forget to check out the Basketball U podcast. If you missed anything, if you missed us breaking down anything that we saw from St. Peter's yesterday, anything from Gonzaga, Michigan making their magic run right now, it's all on the ESPN Chicago app. So be sure to download that and check out the podcast. All right, we've got a full slate of games today, Brian. Obviously, we see Illinois and Houston already underway. And but the good news is Illinois making their free throws. They're two of two from the line. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're coughing up the ball 
a little too much for anyone's pleasure right nine now. Turnovers. Already nine turnovers. and They're being out-rebounded. It's not even halftime yet. And they're one of nine from three-point range. So uh, not that you know Houston's only two of eight, but doubling up. Um, that's They're shooting 25% from the field. Five made baskets with about three minutes to go. And uh, they are trailing 23-13. So looking at the rest of today's slate, I think today is a very vulnerable day for two seeds. When you look up and down, you've got Villanova taking on Ohio State. You've got Duke and Michigan State. And you've also got Auburn and Miami today. I think we're going to see one of the two seeds go down. And I'm not quite sure which one it'll be yet. So Villanova taking on Ohio State, that's an intriguing matchup to me because the Buckeyes are just a much healthier group now. Mm -hmm. You saw them without some of their key guys, including Zed Key, Malachi Branham. Um, They've missed Joey Brunk pretty much the entire season. So there have been a lot of absent Buckeyes in and out of the lineup because of injury. But now they're finally that cohesive unit, and you saw them really give it to... Loyola in a game where, I mean, Ohio State really didn't shoot the ball all that well, but they played defense against that Loyola team. And then Michigan State taking on Duke with the final battle between Coach K and Tom Izzo. It's, As Rob just mentioned. Yeah, you know? and it's been a, a, a rivalry that's been dominated by Coach K, but... It's Izzo have, time. March we, is Tom Izzo time. Exactly, and we have seen Tom Izzo, not only in March, but like... The last time these two teams met up, we've seen them take down some of Coach K's really good teams, including in that 2019 Elite Eight when they beat the team that was led by Zion and R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. And then the last one, you've got an Auburn team who, a little bit of a hiccup out of the gate in their first round matchup, but then they figured some things out. They shot the ball well. Um, But they're going up against a Miami team that can shoot the lights out. And they're led by a Chicago kid in Charlie Moore who's, stamped his basketball power conference passport in pretty much every single conference. Now he's in the ACC. He was in the Big East. He was in the Pac-12. He's been in in the Big 12, too. I mean, who hasn't Charlie Moore played for throughout the course of his career? But now he's finally settling down, and it's his final season at, uh, at Miami and what could be his final game of basketball as well. But that's a team that if they shoot well... They can certainly take down an Auburn team that can lack discipline at times. Okay, so which two seed is the most vulnerable here? I would say it's Villanova, just because I don't know how the Wildcats are going to handle the size that the Buckeyes can throw at them. EJ Liddell is maybe the best-kept secret in all of college basketball, which is a shame because he plays in a major conference at a major university, but he just hasn't gotten some of the supporting help throughout the season and part of that's because of injuries but this ohio state team when healthy ej liddell is going to be a guy that can be a bruiser down low and this is a villanova team that is not very deep they only play seven guys and i saw that one of their bench guys is injured who sometimes is that eighth guy in the rotation and i'm not sure how good the the big east was when it's all said and done this year right yeah so you know, I I have Duke going to the Final Four, so I, it can't be them. And I hope Pat Boyle's not listening to my buddy on the hockey show because I had Davidson knocking out the Spartans. Shame on me. It's Izzo time. But they barely got it done. They got it done. So um, I don't know. I mean, Texas Tech should handle Notre Dame, right? I hope all, all my Irish friends out there are, are not believing otherwise. Um, 
I can't believe. I mean, Purdue, Texas, uh, Purdue. I've got winning the whole thing. So yeah. if they're in trouble today, I'm in trouble. That should be a, a really good game as well. And like you heard Rob Douster mention, the size for Purdue is something that you do not want to go up against if you're any team in the country. Next week on basketball you will be breaking down what we've seen in the sweet 16 and the elite eight getting you ready for what's going to be going on in chicago could we see the kansas jayhawks in that elite eight game or will we see an upset start to brew in this midwest region that there are going to be some great fan bases in chicago next weekend we could be seeing kansas and wisconsin i mean imagine if we got a kansas wisconsin matchup oh in I that think elite eight. Zetterman's already camped out at the parking lot at the uc and we have a lunch bet on the show so uh if if kansas isn't a final four team because i i have auburn beating them we get lunch. That's going to do it for us here on Basketball U. We will be back next week. Thanks to Jake Cantu for producing. Talk to you guys next week. From the First Midwest Bank, a division of Old National Bank, State Street Studio. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good karma brand's radio.